Hello, Ted. What's going on, Seth? Welcome to the disposition. Glad to be here. <laughs> it's always so silly starting these things. Um, so the big, to me, the big news going on in the NBA this week is uh, is the end of the Daryl Morey era in Houston. Um, one stat that jumped out at me is that over the course of his tenure there, they've been the second winningest team in the league over that period mm-hmm. behind the Spurs in terms of regular season winning percentage, wow. um, which is crazy to think about. So they've been like a really good team for a really long time. Like at their worst, I think there was like a year where they were like 41 and 41 or something like uh, they're just always pretty good. Um and in some ways, that's like my main takeaway. But I, let's start with you. Like, what when you think about Daryl Morey and the Rockets? Like, what what do you think about what what are you what have you been thinking about recently? I think that I just uh, generally I don't care about GMs unless mm-hmm. they have this like ideology that jumps off the page. Uh, and he was like kind of a like a radical in that sense. Um, I, I think immediately about like him and like Sam Hinkie as people who like, uh, like took bold risks mm-hmm. and, uh, basically every time he took a, a huge swing, uh, it was entertaining. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, like, I know that you want to talk a little bit about like, what's the point, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what's the point of being the second winning team? Right. And, uh, I guess like ultimately what I like the older I get, the more my stance on basketball is that I want to like destroy the win loss binary. Yes. <laughs> and that is really the experience. Of, yeah. Uh, and ultimately like I am not a fan of watching James Harden play basketball, but if you're somebody who is like a huge Houston fan, like I think that these years were probably super meaningful to you. Like there's probably would, a lot in there that you're going to like remember forever. I would imagine that that's true. I mean, it's like it's constantly being in the playoffs. Yes. Coupled with constant disappointment of what happens in the playoffs. Right. But but that's a pretty you like there haven't been a lot of Rockets teams that you couldn't sort of like squint and talk yourself into. No question. Um it's also and, just that in in the there, you know, I was looking back recently and, and in the last 10 years, I think basically every finals has been really good. Mm-hmm. Except for the two that the Warriors won when they had Durant, which were kind of like limp. Um, mm-hmm. And in those two playoffs, the Rockets were sort of the only team that gave us anything to hold on to in terms of just like uh, competition. Mm-hmm. And that to me is like a big part of that, the legacy of this iteration of the Rockets. And I appreciate them for that. And I feel like people who only care about winning and who maybe don't actually watch basketball that much. Um, yeah will be like they're losers or whatever but i think that those were those stands were like uh impressive and also like exciting they were they were totally thrilling they were the only people in the league who get any credit for even trying to compete with the warriors are the rockets and lebron agreed absolutely agreed. that's like a complete list of people who even gave it a shot (laughs) You know, yeah, that, that definitely goes back to uh, Maury's like radical ideology. Yeah. Yeah. If you have like a 5% chance, then you have to go for it. Swing away. There, there is like, 
I don't know. I'm interested in this whole, you brought up the like win loss binary. And yeah. I also have this feeling that like, um, that the more basketball I watch, the less interested I feel in uh, the winner and loser of a game. And the more I'm like sort of having something like an aesthetic experience. Yeah. But it, what's interesting is that the aesthetic experience with the Rockets is kind of a miserable one. Um, and like, I just don't totally know, like, if, if that's an interesting like thing to be thinking about. Like what, what is the experience of watching this team? Like what makes it fun to root for a team is like a question <laughs> I don't know how to answer. Like, I also don't, um, it, it, yeah, it's something, it, it probably mainly resides in like this, the intangibles. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. these things that we just respond to without understanding why we're responding. Yep. But I will say that whatever that is, I, I respond negatively to the Rockets experience. <laughs> yeah. It's hard watching. Like, I know that it's an efficient way to score points. Like I know that their offense generates points efficiently. Yeah. But you watch it and it's just this, like, um, it grinds to a halt and it's like, um, it feels kind of like it's like so math based that it like feels like doing math almost totally. like um yes all the decisions are so like uh mathematical and even james harden who i will acknowledge is like a brilliant passer even his passing is sort of like geometric and predictable in a weird way it's like the same reads it's the same like um right i don't know there's something so like lockstep about them. Yeah. I used to play this game on uh, Nintendo 64 called NFL Blitz. Mm -hmm. I never lost. And part of why I never lost, I played this one, this one play I would just do over and over. And it was, it had like two options. Mm -hmm. And the other player, the other person I was playing against could only guard one of the options. Mm -hmm. And I grew to hate myself for constantly relying on this. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's something, there's an element of that uh there's there's like a, a staleness to it yeah if the goal is just to win and you give up um on any sort of like pursuit of i don't know like something like stylistic grace or something then like what are you do what are we doing we're just like grinding time away on a machine trying to win <laughs> i will say uh that I think that maybe Harden's game is uh, like so nuanced mm -hmm. that a lot of it gets lost just by the camera angle that we see the game at. Mm. I think it's a lot of these like little jabs and fakes and, and head movements where he's really figuring out how jumpy the defender is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then he finally decides, okay, I'm going to make this move. And when we're seeing it from far away, it looks like he's just staying there and then all of a sudden drawing a foul. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what is this bullshit? Yeah. But I think probably on the court, they probably respect it a lot more. No, I'm, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Like, there's a, there's a sort of like, um, what is it? What, what's that movie? Have you ever seen that movie Pushing Hands? No. <laughs> what's it about? <laughs> like, it's like this martial arts thing. But like, um, it's like there is this sort of like fine balance thing going on with James Harden that I like. 
I don't know. I, I I can appreciate it. It's just like, um, it's just hard. It's hard with them. It's like, I get if, if we. It's probably not fair to criticize it so much because it's like they actually are stylistically different than every other team in the league, and it's like, oh. it's it's good to have that. Like yeah. it was sort of exciting watching. Robert Covington try to play center and like see how that goes against yeah. LeBron and Anthony Davis. But also it seemed like this futile kind of like, well, we're going to just like push up. Like in some ways I think I sort of find myself at times wishing they would go even more extreme than they do. It's like that it, there is still, I find myself thinking a lot about all the times Mike D'Antoni has been interviewed in recent years and been like, someone will ask him about the seven seconds or less sons. And he'll be like, yeah, I didn't take it far enough. Like I should have gone even further. And it's like, I wonder if that's just like his, if, if that's going to be true of him forever is like, <laughs> he just can't ever, it's impossible to take it far enough. Cause it like our imagination isn't good enough to allow it to happen or something. It's like only in retrospect, do you, can you realize Mm-hmm. Been more radical yeah yeah i mean yeah go for w- it. would you rather here's a, i i, I want to do a quick would you rather sure. would you rather root for a team that is like decent every year making the playoffs every year mm-hmm. um but never gets over the hump sure. or would you rather root for a team that is like a roller coaster ride that like like mm, let's say like somebody like the Sixers over the last decade, like where it's like very lean years followed by years with a lot of hope. I think that they're, I think part of being a fan needs to include indulging like the wildest possibilities in your imagination, like falling asleep at night thinking like, maybe this is it. Maybe we finally yeah. And so I think if someone said to me, hey, your team is, has a ceiling of like conference finals, I've seen the future and for the next 50 years, that's it. You know, the world would be like monochrome. Yeah. It would be hard to cheer for them. Um, yeah. So I think the roller coaster ride ultimately has to be the answer. That's the correct answer. You're, you're totally right that um, you have to be able to imagine a possibility where it goes over the top. And I will I would go a step further and say that rooting for let's not say any shitty team. Like I wouldn't want to be rooting for like the uh like the 2016 Nets or something. Like sure. there has to be some sort of light at the end of the tunnel, but like rooting for your 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 usual run of the mill shitty team has a certain amount of joy in it. I mean, like some of my most fun memories as a Celtics fan are like getting excited about like um, getting excited about a guy like, well, like getting excited about like a young Paul Pierce is like obviously exciting, but, but also exciting is like getting is, is the feeling of rooting for, I don't know what a good example of this is like, like the year that I thought like, Oh God, the misguided year that I thought Mark Blount might be like an important person in my life for a while. Like, because he was like making 15 footers. It's like, you sort of, I like what you said about falling asleep. It like, you sort of, 
you sort of start dreaming on what might be possible. Like, oh my God, if this guy can make 60% of his like 15 foot jump shots, like what the fuck can't happen? Like, I don't know. I have an example that I have actually not said out loud. Mm. Um, the recent one that's going to make you laugh. Okay. Which is, uh, after the Celtics beat the Raptors in seven games, and then, you know, they went head to head against the Bull, oh, sorry, the Heat. And, um, it, you know, they almost, they, after the like game one, I was like, hey, they lost game one, but they still look really good. And Smart had an amazing first couple games against the Heat. He played amazing against the Raptors. And this thought creeped in my head that's so irrational and so insane. But it, really, I, it made me realize it's all I want in, in basketball. And it was finals MVP, Marcus Smart. <laughs> and like the path to getting there would have required them beating the Heat, beating the Lakers, and doing it in the perfect way where no one shines necessarily. And he has a bunch of those games where he scores a bunch of points and has huge defensive plays. Like it, it would have been perfect. It would have been like the um, Iguodala sort yeah. of final MVP. Yeah. But, being able to have that thought and like actually grasp it and really yeah. believe in it, even for a brief moment of time, was like ecstasy. <laughs> right, right. No, yeah. It, it the Iguodala formula is the it, that's like what that should be called. Like the, yeah, it's like um, it's it's tough because I don't I don't subscribe to that MVP. That's I think a horseshit MVP. Yeah, but I do think Smart could have been the best and most important player on this Celtics team. Um, Yep. No, obviously they didn't get anywhere close to that because they didn't even make the finals. I mean, if he if he had a, a series where he got hot, like it happens to him for two games in a row sometimes. Let's say it happened for four games. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, I don't know. The guy <laughs> yeah. is the guy's crazy. Totally. And if like any you know, if like Tatum and Kemba and Jalen had all had a couple good nights, but no one had put together like three or four big nights. Mm -hmm. Then it's just like wide open. Yeah. But again, we're logicing, we're talking the logic about something that's like totally irrational. <laughs> it's amazing that this is what we're talking about in a conversation about Daryl Morey and the Rockets, <laughs> like the legacy of Daryl Morey. Um, okay. I, who, if you were running the Rockets, so like, I'll, let me just, let me just say what, what their situation is going into next year. And then we can talk a little bit about like what it might make sense to do the, um, with just Harden, Westbrook, Eric Gordon, Covington, PJ Tucker, and Daniel house, that gets you to 123 million. Uh, the cap is going to be, that seems like the cap is going to be 109 and luxury tax is going to be somewhere between 132 and 133. So like they'd be under the tax over the cap. Seems like they could use the mid-level, maybe the full mid-level um, if they're willing to pay the tax. Um, so that's like kind of like where they are roster wise. Uh, where, wh what would you, what, what should they be trying to do? <laughs> so my opinion is basically that like the bubble uh, experience with the, with the Rockets was not really indicative of what this team is capable of. Mm -hmm. And I think they're so stuck with this amount of money on the books already that there's actually not much they can do. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think the bigger problem is like a problem of like maybe morale or like uh, creativity or something. Cause they got rid of the people in the, in the 
both on the sidelines and the front office that are sort of the ones that are creating this uh, mm-hmm. like radical institution. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Like, on the other hand, what, like, the, those people made the, like, okay, I'm thinking about, like, having uh, Clint Capella on the roster, for example, and, like, that there were whole years where they built their offense around Capella's going to set screens for Harden, you're going to spread the floor with shooting, yep. and you're going to have Capella dive to the rim, and, like, we'll see what happens. So, like, then they realize, like, okay, the step back three has, like, warped all of this. You can generate all the points you need without even bringing a screen. Yes. Let's forget having another non-shooter on the floor. Let's just get rid of Capella. But meanwhile, they spent the offseason adding Russell Westbrook to the team. <laughs> so now there's, like, no matter what you do, you've got a non-shooter on the floor. Yeah. Um, what, and- what, what I was trying to say about the um... – the bubble is that like Westbrook had just come off of having coronavirus. True. He clearly, he's a maniac about staying in shape. And for like a month, he had been basically unable to, he'd been quarantined for a lot of it. Um, I'm just curious about what it looks like. If you say, Hey, go crazy, try and grab every rebound available. And yeah. wasn't that sort of working for them before the NBA got shut down? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had some moments, but I think, I don't know. Like, you don't have to play the Lakers every night, right? You don't have to play the you don't have to play the Nuggets every night. That's, like, really, that's yeah. What yeah. do they do against a team that could just like bludgeon you in the paint? Yeah, I don't know. And it's so interesting that we're seeing the sort of swing back towards size and size being like the determining factor. Yeah. And then I don't know. Like the 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 like the tradable like if they made PJ Tucker available now you can maybe bring somebody in like yeah. that could get you something, but PJ Tucker's the only person you have who can defend those guys. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, actually, I guess Harden's pretty good. The Harden's basically a power forward who like creates off the dribble, but yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know what I would do if I was this team. I would certainly be interested in seeing if there's a, if there's a Russell Westbrook taker, even if I have to give up the, I mean, they already gave up all their picks, but like it basically of the Westbrook Gordon of the, of the combo of Westbrook and Gordon, if I could get rid of those guys for expiring contracts, I would be doing that. Um, And I think, I think you have to look at trading Harden. Yeah, so you're saying sort of throw in the towel. I think it's not over yet. Like if you if you trade Harden, you can bring like he has he still has value. I think there's like a way to pivot. I wouldn't mind if I could find the right superstar or the right like piece. I don't know, like Covington, Tucker, House, Gordon. That's like a good group of players. Like one thing that um, I think we're gonna keep seeing uh, is. So the, the Rockets traded Chris Paul, who has this albatross, albatross contract with, uh, for Westbrook, right? Mm-hmm. Who's another albatross. Yep. I don't think anybody's going to take one of these guys and be like willing to pay them 40 or $50 million uh, unless they're a team trying to unload one of these albatross contracts. Yeah. So I think there's just going to be a carousel of these players who are getting these insane deals. 
just teams with these contracts trading away those contracts for new albatrosses. So I think like maybe you trade you trade Westbrook for like Blake Griffin or like John Wall or something, but I don't think it's possible to trade him away for somebody who's not also getting paid way too much money. Right. Which and then that makes me curious about the possibility of the Harden trade of a Harden trade where you like I don't know exactly what you can get, right? Mm-hmm. But like if you can get a like a rim running big Okay, let's imagine a hypothetical. This is just off the top of my head, so please don't like uh, you know, just an idea. But like if you trade Harden for like um Oladipo, Aaron Holiday, Miles Turner and TJ Warren or something. Uh-huh. Right? Like sure. A bunch of good players from the Pacers. And now mm-hmm. you just, you run your team around like Westbrook and a bunch of shooting and a rim running big who can also stretch the floor. Yeah. And you have a bunch of defenders and like, I don't know, like, is there, is there a world where Russell Westbrook can still be the best player on a good team? <laughs> I unfortunately don't think so. Yeah. Well, that's not true. I just don't think he can do it in the conventional way that he was the centerpiece of a lot of those Thunder teams. Yeah. I think the way that they were using him was like a basically as like a crazy center mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. was working. I think the more you put the ball in his hands and have him like just pound the rock, mm-hmm. like the worse his teams get. Yeah. Like, it's it was really good for him that Harden needed the ball so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe his maybe his ultimate destiny is to be like an undersized pick and roll dive man. I think that's possible. <laughs> it, it's so crazy. Like, I mean, he's so crazy that he could work. Like, I think that he's he's sort of built to break a mold. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. That's pretty good. Um, okay. Uh let's do let's move on away from the Rockets. Enough enough with the Rockets, right? Yeah. Okay. Um I wanted to talk about like some players who I was thinking about, actually it started because I was thinking about Bam Adebayo, which is yeah. funny because you mentioned him as a player who might might be on this list for you. But yes. like um, a player who like we, we knew was good, but like made a leap in a few areas of his game at the same time. And all of a sudden seems like one of the best players in the league, like, a guy who could be the best player on like a halfway decent team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering like, if, as you look around the league, what players who are not currently at that level uh, have a chance next year at reaching that level maybe. Yeah. Um, so I guess maybe like when I ask you that question, like who are the, fir- who, who comes to mind for you first? Yeah, it's funny. I, this list almost immediately became like a wish list. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that what I really want is there's like a certain type of guard that I feel like doesn't totally exist in the NBA right now, in part because of how the uh, guard position has changed. Um, and also, I think basically because John Wall got hurt. Mm-hmm. But I miss that guard who basically is looking to outsprint everybody and then yeah yeah who just wants to win every foot race um and so on my list i'm gonna throw out some names and they're gonna some are gonna sound crazy okay um okay so john morantz i think is yeah 
he's a good example. He's a good candidate for making the leap because the oh, hard yeah. time started already make a mini leap between the end of the season and, and the start of the bubble. Oh um, yeah. Aaron Fox. A hundred percent. DeJounte Murray. Tell, say more about how you feel about DeJounte Murray. I, the way I feel about him is that I know he's coming back off of um, a leg injury, which is um, something that can, you know, limit someone's athleticism, but he's just one, clearly one of those guys who has that like uh, spring loaded uh, movement around him yeah. where I just want to see him with the ball in his hands. Yeah. In- I, and he's already there defensively in a lot of ways. Like, I think part of this question is like, to be a star, you either have to be like so good offensively that your defense doesn't matter. I'm thinking about like Harden or Luca or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or you got to be pretty good on both sides of the ball. Like, um, you just have to be able to like do everything on the floor. Like somebody like, uh, like a Kawhi or something. Sure. Yeah. So he, he's um, a reach. He's Kawhi's a reach. A, Kawhi's a reach, but like. <laughs> Uh, oh, you mean DeJounte Murray's reason? Well, no. So I'm thinking, like, I guess what I'm wondering is, like, what are the skills? Mm-hmm. Like, what what happens to DeJounte Murray where he's, like, a star all of a sudden? I think basically it's that, like, um, if, if, like, the Spurs decided we're going to put the ball in his hands all the time, we're, we're going to start moving away from DeRozan and Aldridge as our uh, focal points of offense. Yeah. Um, and then he's somebody who gets into the lane a lot and all offense sort of builds around the chaos that he causes. Yeah. yeah. And I do think that for the, all these players, chaos is like the, mm-hmm. uh, the key word. Yeah. Like they give they, events as fits. Is, is being a star in basketball simply the ability to wield the chaos? <laughs> I think in many ways it is. And I think that's probably true more now than ever. Yeah. I think being having one player who can create chaos and, yeah. and wield the chaos uh, actually can create like a a roster. I mean, a, an offense that can it can be like a finals offense. Yeah, I mean, think about all the like great players throughout history where their greatness is a result of a sort of unusual pace that they play with, or like yeah, um, like maybe great players is the wrong way to put it, but like because the greats, the great like. With Jordan, the thing you think about isn't like pace, right? It's like, it's not that he had like an unusual pace, but like, maybe I mean like players in like the, in like the 20 to 40 of all time range where like, like your Paul Pierce's or okay. you're like, um, your Dirks, you're yeah, like, your your Barclays, like, yeah. Um, Maybe even like someone who could have, who, who with like more playing time could have reached that level, like a Ginobili or something. Um, like that, there's something about like their ability to create like an unusualness around them or like a strange kind of a strange gravity. Yeah. Well, so with Ginobili, a quote that I love about him, and I'm maybe butcher a little bit, somebody said that he plays between dribbles. Yeah. 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 And I think that that really, in some way like sums up the thing you're, you're reaching for which is like this um they make a rhythm that doesn't that throws off everyone else yeah I, like obviously uh curry has a lot of skills but that's one of that yep and then everyone else around them has to try and get on their rhythm mm-hmm. and, and basically 
generally they'll get really frustrated over the course of 48 minutes. Yeah, it's like it's interesting to think about like what percentage of Steph Curry's greatness is just that he like he pulls up for his shot at a different moment than like 99.9% of other basketball players. Totally. And so like when a person when you're playing defense, of course it's it's just never going to not get you off balance. Absolutely. Cuz you've been like training your whole life for something so much more normal. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I guess like it's it's like the way certain players like what watching Paul Pierce all these years like that Paul Pierce is the basketball player I've watched the most in my life because like we like I grew up like in the in like Paul Pierce's career basically <laughs> and like um it never made sense to me that he was as good as he was like he just it, he was always better than it seemed like he should be and it was a result yeah. of like the way other the way his defenders sort of like couldn't get their body oriented right to his body or like i don't know there's something yeah. there he he always moved around a little bit like a player at the Y or something yeah 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 it, it's like a signature of those matchups, those duels he had with LeBron, where LeBron looks so much more athletic than him. But for some reason, Pierce could guard him and mm -hmm. Pierce could score on him. It was really strange. And it yeah, made no sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So I like I like thinking about DeJounte Murray in a context like that, because it's like um I could start to wrap my mind around like a kind of like a bigger a, like a longer version of like prime Rondo or something. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I could see like, so what is, what would he have to do to get there? He needs to become like a way better passer. That's the big thing. Yeah. If you're going to compare him to Rondo, especially, but yeah. Uh, yeah. For him to make a leap. And again, that's, he's a dark horse in this conversation. So yeah, the, the version of DeJounte Murray that becomes like, that has the chance of becoming a star is a version that, like Rondo, I guess, becomes an incredible passer. That's like what has to happen. Yep, agreed. Um, let me throw a couple of names at you. Um, what do you think? Have you watched much of Wendell Carter Jr. with the Bulls? No, I haven't really watched the Bulls. Um, I know they have a lot of young players. It, it seems so hard to assess like young players on a terrible team. This is exactly the point. This is where I'm going with this. So cool. like this dude, I think he's good, but like, I think the way they were being coached and the complete lack of point guard play on that team mm. made it impossible to know what he's capable of. And I think there's like a really good, smart defensive player. I think he's a pretty good passer. I think that on a team with players who know what they're doing that guy's like i wouldn't say it's like the same amount of potential as what bam had coming into this season but i'm like interested in him as a versatile big man in a similar way mm. that's exciting I think, I think to get there like bam was already showing more signs as like a ball handler and a passer um and they, they pair him in the front court with uh Markinen. Yeah, I'm not sure about that pairing either, yeah. but it, it it's not a bad fit offensively because Markinen spaces the floor. Right. Um, but they both sort of 
play defense like bigs. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure what happens there. Um, another guy I'm super interested in for next year is OG Ananobi. Yeah, he's on my list too. Yeah. Well, so why did you, what were you excited about with him? Uh, I guess in some ways it was just that he had like a really good playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he showed, I mean, obviously he had the shot mm-hmm. and uh, really respect the way he didn't re- even react after he made that clutch mm-hmm. uh, buzzer beater against the Celtics. But uh, he's actually just really good on both sides of the ball. I thought he was a fantastic defender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he just showed a lot of signs of being somebody who didn't have a lot of holes in his game. Yeah. I think for him to become, for him to reach like a, another level, I think like the shooting is good enough now where if it stays at the level where it is, he's got a chance. Um, he's not a player who I'm like worried is going to like, uh, if I'm if 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 the Celtics are like going up against the Raptors, I'm not afraid of him like creating offense on his own. Um, it's fair, yeah. But man, he's built. He's so strong, and like if he can get a little more ball handling and passing, mm. he'll just be able to get to the line. Like, um, yeah. Hey, there's a there's a lot to like there. Have you seen his video with Serge Ibaka? No. In terms of like uh, NBA, like off court, uh, like ephemera, <laughs> it's one of the most incredible things. It's, they are in some sort of like um, like clothing store or like fashion warehouse or something, and they're basically both accusing the other of stealing their fashion. And it's like very, very like big brother, little brother, and they're both trying to take credit for putting the other on to wearing scarves. Uh, <laughs> So I highly recommend that. <laughs> I think I think we might need to create a segment on this show where we explain YouTube videos to each other. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good idea. Um, yeah, no, he's he seems like a good guy. But like, yeah, I just uh, when you're that good at defense and that versatile on defense it doesn't take much on offense to like start reaching like maybe this guy should be an all-star status. Yeah. That's a real, that's really well put. That's what I was trying to get at when I said he didn't have many holes in this game. Yeah. 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 But he, he'll need to learn how to put it on the floor a little bit. I think Um, the other guy I just wanted to bring up is Markel Fultz. (laughs) Like I just like, every time I watch this guy now, I feel like, there's something it's like the stuff that made him the number one pick is like, it, it like slowly starts to emerge. Like you see, mm-hmm. he's got really good size for a point guard. Yes. He's a pretty good passer for somebody who is like, who defenses are like way off of like, totally. Um, he, he sees the floor pretty well and he's, he's strong. He's pretty good on defense. And like, I was looking up some stats and the dude is like, if you take three pointers out of the equation, uh-huh. he's kind of shooting the ball fine from all over the rest of the court. Like everything else is everything else is over forty percent at this point. It's not like there's no like two years ago, all his percentages from all the different areas of the floor except the rim were like down in the twenties, basically. Maybe a couple of them got up to the thirties. Yeah. Now they're all up over forty, and like you know, he's making like somewhere around 40% of his long twos. 
forty percent of his mid range shots. Like he's and and at the rim he finishes like sixty four percent. Well, that to me is what I like about his game is that yeah, you know, you point out that like defenders lay off of him, but mm-hmm. he still is always getting into the lane um, and is getting you know to the rim and scoring and um, uh, I he has like like slippery handle. Mm-hmm. where guys just can't really stay in front of him or they have trouble even when they're laying off. Um, yeah. And I think it's fun to watch. Uh, yeah. And I do think that context is, is like everything because people are still going to consider him a bust, but if he was found in like, um, you know, later mm-hmm. in the draft or whatever, people are like, wow, this is, this is a great find. Like, um, uh, you know, it's almost potential here. Yeah, I mean, it's like interesting heading into this draft where people aren't that excited about the top of the draft. Like if you took, what is he, 21? I don't know how old he is. I think he's still only 21 or 22. If you took him and put him into this draft, I have to imagine this dude would be a definitely a lottery pick, maybe like top five. Like, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. Like would a team rather have Markel Fultz or Killian Hayes? Like I'm not sure what the answer to that is, but like because I haven't done my like draft research, but I don't know. Like it, when he was coming out of Washington, the, the three point shot did not look bad to me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would still, I think Orlando's in a good spot for taking a look at him. Like I would be, I would be tempted if I were them to make some trades to like try to see what I had with him. Yeah. It's interesting because they, they make so many bad decisions there. I know, uh, but they made this really savvy move, to like mm-hmm. for the, like this reclamation project. Um, yeah, and yeah, it could totally work out for them. Yeah, like there are a few, there are like a handful of teams in the league where if they had Markel Fultz, he would be the most exciting thing they had. <laughs> That's true, and the Orlando Magic are probably one of those teams. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't have said that before Jonathan Isaac got hurt, but like that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. You said you had some predictions about next year. Do you are there any other like stars that you want to talk about? Or <laughs> I just want to throw uh Karis LeBert into the mix. Yeah. He's someone, I'm surprised that he's not on your list, actually. Um yeah. you know, he's somebody who showed a lot. Uh in the absence of uh, these other big names, you know, when Kyrie Irving went down or had surgery or whatever, and he, yeah. he got the range of the offense, you know, he showed a lot of polish with his game. He did. How much of what he showed came against the Portland Trailblazers? <laughs> that is like a signature game. For him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I just, I like what I saw. And, no, I, I like Levert too. I like Levert too. He had a, um, there at one point I can't even remember now if it was this year or last year when like an endless series of point guards were just like torching the Celtics over the course of the season. Yeah. Um. He had he had a re- he had one of those games where he had like forty against the Celtics. Yeah. 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 He's. I mean, I like him as like a one-on-one scorer. Pretty good passer. I don't know. I need to. I don't know if he's a good shooter. I don't know. Yeah. No. I mean, a lot of what he did against the. The Blazers was was scoring. Yeah. Um, Who else on your list? Well, okay. I had another. I had a bunch of other people on the list, but like, um, DeAndre Ayton is maybe too obvious. He was the number one pick in the draft, and he hasn't been a bust at all. Right. Um, right. But like, uh, 
I think he spent last year. He looks like he's a little more like able to see the floor. Mm-hmm. He understands defense a little more. He's blocking more shots. Um, yeah. I'm sort of excited about his offensive potential. If he can, if he can like talk himself out of like, obviously he shouldn't be shooting like 20 foot jump shots, but like, um, you know, a little more rim running, a few more threes, like there could be something there. Yeah. Um, and then I just really like Brandon Clark. I love like Brandon Clark is another, you, you were talking about how OG has no holes in his game mm-hmm. and like, Brandon Clark just like that dude. I feel like I wouldn't mind him seeing, I wouldn't mind seeing him guard anybody on the floor. Like, I feel like I would, I would sort of trust him to stay in front of anybody. And I kind of like, I don't mind him seeing, see, I don't mind seeing him take any shot either. Huh. Like, yeah, I like seeing him shoot threes. He's his, the floater is like gorgeous. He gets up for lobs. Like, that's just like, um, there's something like a little like Horfordy about like he's like a B plus mm-hmm. at everything. I like that. I like that comparison. And if you're a B plus at like literally everything, you you're like maybe an all star. Ah, uh, yeah, I totally agree with that, man. Yeah, the future is bright for Memphis. Yeah, man, it's wild. Yeah. I love that roster. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. sort of excited to see what happens this year with um with um oh god why am i blanking on the name of the guy they got from miami justice winslow like that's a player i've been interested in for a long time he's never quite put it together but i like that he's like he's sort of positionless he's smart tried to turn himself into a good shooter do you have any justice winslow thoughts (laughs) i just that like uh back when like butler was was like on the bulls I thought that that was sort of the comp for Justice Winslow. I was like, oh, he's kind of like a brick wall in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't get by him on defense. And uh, so I, I thought that that would be uh, sort of the player he turned into. And I, I mean, you know, maybe he just hasn't had a chance to, or I'm not sure. He's been hurt a lot. There's been injuries. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious that like that's sort of what he, that ends up being his ceiling. I'm just always intrigued when a player has who isn't a point guard gets thrust into the role of point guard for a little while and has success. And there was like, there was that brief period of time with Miami where they were put it playing him at the one and it kind of worked, even though he's like basically a power forward. Um, (laughs) That's what you're saying. More and more, it feels to me that like Pat, being able to pass the ball, see the floor and pass the ball is the skill that opens up all the other skills. It's like, if you can do that, then you can start to leverage everything else you're good at. Yeah. I think that really like so many of the top players in the NBA are like elite and probably underrated passers. Mm-hmm. Like you said last time that it's probably LeBron's best skill. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I think Steph Curry is like an underrated passer. Yep. Um, I, I just think a lot of these top players, it's like they see the floor on another level. Yeah, I mean, we talk about like Draymond Green gets all the credit for his defense, but like the guy is such a smart mover of the ball that oh. it like that even when he can't shoot, he manages to like with his dribbling and passing, he like creates stuff. 
Totally. You make stuff happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think yeah. Butler too, you can throw in that mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Butler's he's a good in the finals. Like he really had an understanding of what was happening on the floor at all times. Yep. It's yeah. just a curiosity. And- can you hear my dog chewing on this bone? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't. Okay, well, maybe I can. There is there's something going on. She was barking at something outside the window, so I hear this bone and it's like somehow louder. <laughs> She's great. She's doing great. We should have her on the pod. Clementine come on the disposition and she's Um, through like every game of the playoffs (laughs) (laughs) um Ted yes I don't want to talk about these mediocre players who might be stars anymore tell me some predictions yeah I have some predictions that are are far off both in terms of time and probably accuracy great Um, what I want to throw out there is I think the next year LeBron wins the MVP Ooh. I think it's purely, I think as long as he has a good enough season, it's going to be purely narrative of like, it's overdue. It's, mm-hmm. it's like when somebody wins an Oscar for their like B plus movie, because they, yeah, yeah, but not for their, like the three A movies they put out beforehand. Okay. What if, um, so oh, you, th- there's some side be- predictions that go yeah. with that. Like you yeah. think he's not going to like take a bunch of time off. Yeah. Right. So I think that, He'll do what he usually does, which is play like basically every game. And then I think so, like, even if Giannis has a great season, they won't give it to, uh, to him again. I agree um, with that. Like, the other players who are sort of generally in the mix, like Harden, there's, I think there's probably a fatigue around him or just a desire not to reward him um, mm-hmm. uh, for better or for worse. Curry is coming back from an injury. Durant is coming back from an injury. It's like a very muddled MVP mm-hmm. race. And I think there's going to be this desire to be like, this guy is the king. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to reward him. And people love narrative. And he hasn't won one in so long, yeah. uh, relatively speaking. Yeah. Um, I would, okay. I, have, I have, can I throw a Dark Horse MVP at you? Love it, yeah. I, 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 I was, it's what I thought was going to happen this year, and I'm shifting it to next year. Yeah. I think Jokic has like... Wow. I, I think Jokic has like all the... Um, all the shit an MVP needs to have. Yeah. I think it's all there. If he shows up in shape this year. Right. That was the big thing last year. Because he was incredible once he got in shape this year. Yeah. yeah. And one like thing. that yeah. team is like one trade away from being like a 60 win team. Yeah. I think the one thing about him is a lot of what he does well sort of gets lost a little bit in like statistical noise. Mm, yeah that's true and also like sort of a lack of highlights people love their highlights i mean you you don't you don't consider like full court passes off rebounds with one hand listen to me that's the only highlight like that's all i want to watch (laughs) but (laughs) people love their like poster dunks you know yeah Um, he doesn't have a lot of those it's true i would also throw luca in as like a dark horse mvp luca's probably like the favorite and so yeah i know (laughs) okay this is going to be controversial okay I want to hear your thoughts on the Western playoffs. And my controversial take is that I think the Pelicans make the playoffs. Okay. So, so, so that requires, I think, I think that probably if you were like betting on it, you would say, okay, the thunder are going to drop out. Yep. They've sort of signaled that they're going to maybe tank because you know, they, yep. they, they didn't resign their coach and the warriors take their spot. Right. Okay. So if you're if you're going with that, then adding in the Pelicans requires you to take away one of the teams in this year's playoffs. 
And so my controversial take is that the Rockets are going to miss. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I think they're going to be miserable. I think they might trade away some of their best players and possibly that Harden has like an injury that he nurses for like two months or whatever. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, there's going to be some bad vibes in that team. And I think if they're going to end up in the, in the, um, out of the playoffs. It's true that that team has a lot of downside, a lot of downside. And so maybe, maybe just like they're going to be miserable. What, uh, what about Phoenix? You don't think Phoenix is going to get in again? Like if I, I, I'm interested in Phoenix, very impressed with their <laughs> undefeated bubble record, but who do you take out? <laughs> um, I'm tempted to take out the Portland Trailblazers. Wow. Okay. I love it. Um, and yeah, let's see the Thunder. Obviously, you can't take out Dallas. Can't take out Denver. Can't take out the Clippers. Can't take out the Lakers. Yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah, yeah the, the Jazz could, could miss the playoffs. The Jazz really have to decide. Uh, so is this the time where I talk about the Rudy Gobert trade? that i want um like the jazz the jazz have rudy gobert's after this season is going to be up for a super max i can't imagine they want anyone wants to pay him that contract i can't imagine he re-signs with utah if they don't yeah um i think they got to think about trading him um Especially given, like, I know we had all these, like, news reports about how him and Donovan Mitchell are fine. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. Are they fine? Like, <laughs> I don't know. So, what I want to see as a Celtics fan is I want to see Gordon Hayward. I think this is a good trade for both teams. I really do. Gordon Hayward, Robert Williams, and the 14th pick in the draft. Yeah. For... Um, Rudy Gobert and the Ed Davis $5 million expiring contract. Relatively even, uh, the trade works. Um, it gets the, um, it gets the Celtics closer to under the tax. Um, it, the jazz would remain under the tax. Um, I, you know, they need us like Robert Williams. Isn't a bad roll of the dice at center. I agree. And actually, the reason why I don't like this trade is that I don't want to see Williams leave. Whoa. This is like when I didn't want KG because I didn't want to get rid of Al Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> My thing about, um, about uh, Williams is like, you know, he has obviously a long way to go, especially on defense where he got lost a lot um, mm-hmm. this year, but he's like a vacuum around the rim. Mm-hmm. There was like almost nothing that was thrown up to him in terms of like lobs or just different passes where he wouldn't find the ball and find a way to uh, mm-hmm. just like kiss it off the glass and just get a quick two points. I really trust you know who- you know who's another guy who's like that is Rudy Gobert. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, hard to argue. But anyway, I, yeah, I think the Jazz could miss the playoffs. Okay, even with Gobert, I think they could miss the playoffs. So your prediction then is that the Suns make the playoffs ahead of the Jazz? I don't know if I'm predicting that. I'm just <laughs> saying, I, I think it, it, that feels like a coin flip to me. Okay. And how about the Pelicans? How do you feel about them? 
I think they're a year away. You and I think they have a new head coach. Yeah, yeah, uh, anything, yeah. That's doesn't change it for you at all. No, um, <laughs> the I think they're a year away, and I think if I was running that team, I would be trying to get what I could for Drew Holiday. I agree with that. I mean, I'm I'm a definitely a, a believer in like get everyone on the same timeline. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Everyone's saying it's not going to happen, but to me, the like Gary Harris and Michael Porter for Drew Holiday thing is just sitting there. And like, I know Michael Porter has a ton of talent, but man, that trade to me makes the Nuggets like that trade makes the Nuggets a 60 win team to me. Oh man, I would love that. Can you imagine what a good fit Drew Holiday would be on that Nuggets team? That backcourt would be unbelievable. It's like, He's such a perfect fit there. Yeah. Perfect yeah. third best player. Or he'd actually kind of be the second best player on the team, but like <laughs> third be- third option on offense, I guess. Right. But right, like, yeah. man. Um, and like uh, the stuff you could do on defense with like him and Jeremy Grant and like Right. And then also just like giving Holiday the top assignments instead of uh Murray. Yeah. How many times is Jamal Murray guarding like the other team's best player because they did. I mean, I know they didn't have like Will Barton and like, right, right. Um, but no, yeah, that's, a great, that's a great trade. I would love to see that. I mean, I would love to just see Drew Holiday in a winning situation. Yeah. Just that one time you made the playoffs with, uh, you know, Anthony Davis and Rondo on the team. When uh, he smoked it, Portland like by himself. Yeah. And it totally was because of basically he was such a stifling defender. I mean, they all were. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was like hard to watch the uh, half court offense of the of the Blazers. Yeah, yeah. He's another guy who gets to the rim more than you'd think. Like, yeah, absolutely. He's so strong. Yes. Um. Any other predictions? Yeah, I think that at some point, I I don't know what's going to happen with the Clippers, but I feel really sure that at some point there's going to be a showdown between Ty Lue and Uncle Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that is looming. <laughs> there, there has to be some sort of reckoning with it's clear that like a bunch of players on this Clippers team um, define themselves as like super hardworking and they really scoff at this idea of like taking games off and like yeah. the whole like load management thing. Yeah. And so like to fix that team's like psyche, you kind of need Kawhi to just like play like a like everyone else does. <laughs> um, and so I just imagine at some point as Tyler tries to grapple with that situation, that it's going to come down between some sort of war of words between him and uncle Dennis and like the media. I think a much more likely. So I like that prediction. Um, and I'm sure uncle Dennis will rear his head, but um, <laughs> I think a more likely solution is that um, uh, Lou Williams Montrez Harrell and Pat Beverly are all just not on this team by the time the trade deadline rolls around. Yeah. Well, that's a super interesting. Uh, and Mark and Marcus Morris. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that's exciting too. I mean, if they just said, Hey, we're going to like overhaul this around our two stars. Yeah. It's a little insane because then you're like, you know, you have like two or three months to like figure it all out for the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and then they're also like on contract that end next summer. Right. Um, yeah. But I don't know if any of those guys are in their best lineups. Like that's yeah, weird. It's so weird. Like, well, Morris, I guess, but like 
I don't know. They don't really I'd have be, a five. They don't have a what? They don't have like a top five. No, not a clear one. Yeah. I, 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 but I think, I think some combination of Kawhi, PG, Shamit, and Zubac actually is like, I don't know. I like that amount of like shooting, size. I don't, eh, I don't know. Yeah, the Clippers, no, the, the Clippers have some roster work to do. Okay, so that's your prediction then. Is that they're going to get to work on the roster? That's actually my prediction for the Bucks. I think the Bucks have been super conservative and out of nowhere, like. This uh, offseason, they're going to, like, throw the kitchen sink at, uh, like, their their sort of offensive woes. Yeah. And we're going to see them, like, bring in maybe some big names, but we're going to take a lot of people going out the door, I think. Oh, more than just Eric Bledsoe. Maybe just Eric Bledsoe. I, I think they're going to trade whoever they need to to, like, shake things up. What what is the piece you think they need? I mean, I think I already said this last time, but I say go out, go for Chris Paul. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good idea. They, um, I, I, you know, I was thinking about this more, and like, I think that what Giannis brings to the table is just as effective when he's off ball. Yeah. Like, the fear that he instills in teams, if he's coming off like a weak side pick and getting into the lane, there has to be like still like three defenders paying attention to him, like. But for some reason, the Bucks always have the ball in his hands. Um, yeah. When, when, to, yeah. Well, I was going to say when a player is, um, I'm, I'm remembering this from like, from like Shaq's prime, for example, where yeah. like, if you just toss it into the post, it's like, you can kind of load up and like figure out where you are defensively and like, and you can make it tough. But yeah. when, when they got him, like when they got him off a screen and got him moving, like get catching the ball on the move. Mm-hmm. If he's, if a guy like that is already in motion, there's so little you can do to stop the motion. Exactly. Like, and I think um, that when Giannis is off the ball, they have a more of a chance of getting him the ball while he's already moving. Well, also like to try to like, think about the nightmare of trying to, be help be a help defender for Chris Paul, um, and having a foot in the lane, and then also being aware that like Antetokounmpo is on the other side of the floor, and at any point in time could be like running at your head and about to put you on a poster. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Basically, like defenders would be constantly swiveling their head and like just be like, totally ineffective. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Yeah, Chris Paul is an idea. That's uh, I like that idea for them. I don't know what the answer is exactly. They gotta get creative. They have to get they creative. Do, they make they do have to get creative. I agree. Eric Bledsoe is not the answer. Agreed. <laughs> I almost called him Drew Bledsoe. Um, <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, just a couple more. Um, okay, all right. Uh, I think that there's. I mentioned the albatross contracts. Yeah. I think that that carousel is going to speed up this year. Ooh. I think that teams are just going to be just like just trading these guys left and right. Definitely. So wait, can, can we make a quick list? Like who are you th- like so the albatrosses are Russell Westbrook, John Wall. Yeah. Chris, I feel like Chris Paul has come close to playing out of it. There's only 2 years left and he was good last year. Yeah. Like yeah, I mean I think that you can talk about like the number of years being important, but for me I'm just looking at the numbers like if you're paying some guy like 
40 plus million. Oh, like, okay. Okay. Who wants to give out that kind of money for one player? Um, so, so even I, if it's expiring, I guess maybe it was expiring. It's different at that point. So maybe Hayward is no longer on the list though. He would have or been. like Nick or like Nick Batum. Right. I forgot yeah. about him. Yeah. Uh, I guess ultimately the list is pretty small. Um, and uh, Horford's not on it, right? No, Horford, you could, I mean, Horford, you could, ah, that's a complicated one. Yeah. I don't think he's a bad player. Yeah. I don't either. I don't either. I think that like, um, yeah, I would try, if I was the Sixers, again, I would try and use him to get Chris Paul. Yeah, that's I, interesting. I really do feel like Chris Paul could, fix, could go a long way towards fixing the Sixers or the Bucks. Honestly, I'd yeah. rather have the Chris Paul contract. Than the Horford contract? Yeah. The Horford yeah. contract's worse. So then I guess this Alatras contract carousel is actually just like two players. <laughs> so well, maybe, no. Mm, yeah. Kevin maybe Love, maybe. Trade for Blake Griffin. Or, Blake Griffin. Uh, or, or maybe let's trade for John Wall. I actually love Blake Griffin as an idea for the Rockets. Yeah. So actually, I mean, I was actually thinking of uh, like how fun that would be if, you know, they still like in D'Antoni. Yeah. Like I wish they had just stuck around with the same coach, kept Maury and then gotten someone like Griffin. And imagine him running the offense. Like, I know, uh, you know, he, he's someone really great with, uh, with passing vision. Yeah. I, I would love to see one thing I would love to see this year is a decent team playing basketball with Blake Griffin at the five. <laughs> I would love to see that. That would roll. That would I'm roll. really into that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, d- any, any final thoughts here? Just that I think that we're going to see Lance Stevenson this year. Oh, I like that. My last prediction. Lance Stevenson is going to pop his head into this season like that gif with Derek Fisher. It's you know my what favorite. I'm it's the best gift. <laughs> um, all right. On that note, uh, nice talking hoops with you, Ted. Peace out.